Good morning or afternoon, just whenever you're listening to this. I hope you're having a great day. Um, This is going to be part three of my series on overtraining and stress and adrenal fatigue. So this part three is my overtraining experience and my personal recovery. So basically I'm going to give you an overview of the first couple times I've been Um, considered an overtraining uh, syndrome and what that was like for me and the physical therapy that I've been through Um, and then now my most recent bout of overtraining and my recovery um, this last time. So my first experience happened in 2014. So at that time I was in school for personal training and um, that consisted of Monday through Friday, class all day, and each day had a workout time blocked off from like 8 in the morning till 10 in the morning. And so we would work out a lot of times at a CrossFit gym. We did all types of workouts, um, and it was, I mean, it was constant. So we really had no rest days because we were always doing what was called lab time, which was our workout time, the hands-on learning new workouts and stuff like that. And then also as new trainers, getting to develop our own workouts and run our uh, fellow classmates through workouts. So a lot of working out, like I said, Monday through Friday, um, doing that. And then in addition to that class time workout, I would go to my own gym after school was out, after the lecture time and all that, and work out again. Um, And that would consist of either strength training or running on the treadmill or swimming or spin class or Zumba. Um, There was a ton of things I was doing. So during that period, I was working out anywhere from two to three, sometimes even four times a day. And I wasn't taking any rest time. And there just really wasn't any room for rest because every day when I went to school, I had to work out. Um, and that was part of my grade. So extremely, extremely active. Um, I was warned by some of my instructors at my college um, that I was going to be bordering on overtraining and that I needed to slow down. And at that time, I was just, oh, I don't believe in overtraining. Like, that's stupid. I thought it was for wimps. And I just continued to push myself harder and harder daily. Um, At the Towards the end of my college time, um, I tested and I got my National Academy of Sports Medicine personal training certification, among some others, and I was hired at a gym. So I was going to school and then I picked up personal training clients at a gym. I got my spin instructor certification and started teaching spin classes. So it was kind of all over the board. Like I said, just, (laughs) gosh saying it all out loud is crazy. I was, I was so active all the time. Um, and then in addition to my personal training job, I picked up a kickboxing job. So I worked at a kickboxing gym and taught kickboxing three days a week. Um, in addition to the spin class and my personal training clients. So here's where the breaking point happened for me on my first round of overtraining syndrome. So my first breaking point, I was running a 10 mile race that I had signed up for and due to bad weather in Colorado, uh, it was during winter time, 
the tail end of winter and that's where we usually get the worst snow. Um, the race was canceled, but they let us do a virtual race where we could r run the race at home on a treadmill or at the gym and then submit our race time and still collect our medals. So I went ahead and did that. So this is back in 2014. I was running on my treadmill. I got to about mile eight and I felt an extreme pain in both of my legs on the outside of my knees. And there's where that mental grit and that crazy like just push yourself mentality came through and was like, you did not get this close to 10 miles to stop right at eight miles. So I kept going and I pushed through. And when I finally hit 10 miles, I literally collapsed off of the treadmill in so much pain. It was absolutely awful. And um, I was crying and my knees and legs hurt so bad. I could barely walk up the stairs out of our basement, which is where our treadmill was. Um, to the main level of the house. I was in so much pain. Um, so I ended up going to the doctor and they did an x-ray and an MRI. And at the time I was 25 years old and they told me that I had arthritis in my knees and that I had IT band syndrome, which is the iliotibial band, um, which runs down the outside of your legs. So IT band syndrome is very common in runners and cyclists um, with that constant repetitive movement, like with cycling or with running, can really irritate the IT band and it is extremely painful when it flares up. Um, so anyway, with that said, my doctor sent me to physical therapy twice a week. I went to an orthopedic doctor who did a corticosteroid injections into my knees, which was you guys, getting a knee uh, a knee shot, a shot right into your knees, is so painful. I, oh my god, it was one of the worst pains of my life. And I have tattoos pretty much all over my body. And I've had two C-sections. And that shot into my knee was terrible. So uh, my doctors, my physical therapists, they all said I pretty much needed to cease all activity, um, which was really, really hard. I had to choose what job to give up. Like, do I stop personal training? Do I stop teaching spin class? Do I stop my kickboxing job? So I ended up um, talking to my managers with a kickboxing job and I left there. Um, and then I only was teaching spin class and working as a personal trainer at that point. And I stopped pretty much all personal workouts. So I pulled back a lot. Um, and that was really, really hard. So the problems I encountered with that was extreme depression, anxiety, um, excessive alcohol intake, and a loss of identity. So for a while, I had identified as I am a personal trainer. That's who I am. Um, but also fitness was my stress reliever, but it was also my job. So a lot of those lines got blurred. And then when all that was taken away from me, because physically I had to stop to heal myself. Um, there was a huge just loss of identity. Who am I if I'm not a personal trainer? Um, and then, like I said, the depression and anxiety just took over. I was so sad because I couldn't work out. And then I was afraid, oh, I'm going to gain weight. And then I was drinking. And um, it was just, it was awful. It was so, so, so hard. Um, but I got through it. I went through the physical therapy, which was 
very challenging for me. Um, and it was very painful. Um, but it was very helpful. I got through that and then um, started integrating working out back in. And then the second time I hit overtraining was in 2016. So two and a half years later. Um, and basically with this one, I, I turned away from the warning signs and completely ignored them. So having gone through overtraining before, I kind of knew now these are red flags. These are my warning signs. I need to slow down. I need to incorporate more stretching and more resting. But I didn't and I let my ego take over and kept pushing harder because I didn't want to be weak. And that essentially just put me back in the same boat. So my breaking point the second time in 2016, I had extreme pain in my legs and my knees and a debilitating back pain that one morning I woke up um, and I tried to get out of bed and I literally could not stand up. I could not stand up straight. I was hunched over completely from the waist. I, I couldn't stand up at all and I knew something was wrong. So I went to my doctor that day. I had to get an emergency appointment in there, um, like I said, because I, I, I couldn't stand up and it was so it was so scary and it was so painful and I thought, oh my God, oh my God, why didn't I slow down? Why didn't I listen to my body? And so this round, my doctor gave me the diagnosis of not only IT band syndrome, patellar tendonitis, quadriceps tendonitis, piriformis syndrome, and among x-rays that they took, they found that my L5 and S1 joints were... Um, or the L5 is your lumbar, lumbar spine, and it's number five right there on the vertebrae. And then your S1, your um, lower spine, sacro. So you're looking at like the bottom part of your lumbar and the top part of your sacrum. And right there, there was a rotation. One, my L5 was going one way and my S1 was rotated towards the other way. And... Um, so that was fun. And then they also said that I have chondromalacia, which is also known as runner's knee. And that is a condition where the cartilage on the under surface of the patella, which is your kneecap, deteriorates and softens. So this condition is common among young athletic individuals, um, but can occur in older adults who have arthritis of the knee. But if you remember, I was told that I had arthritis of the knee already. So I had a lot of things working against me. I had all these diagnoses, all this stuff going on, and it's pretty much every muscle group and tendon area that acts on my knee. And um, when you have one dysfunction, it kind of runs up your kinetic chain. So if you think of your kinetic chain, you have five points. So you're going from your neck down the body all the way towards your ankles. Um, hips and knees are a big one there. And if one of those is off, your hips or your knees, um, it can throw a lot of things off and it kind of, like I said, it goes up that kinetic chain or down the kinetic chain like a domino effect. And because I had all these issues around my knees, um, my hips were off, which tweaked my lower back. Um, my piriformis, which is a deep glute muscle, um, that was messed up. So that's messing up my pelvis. It was just, there's so many things going on. Um, so many things. So I was once again sent to physical therapy 
and in physical therapy, uh, my therapist started dry needling, and dry needling is also known as myofascial trigger point dry needling. It's an alternative medicine technique adapted from acupuncture, and it's sometimes also known as intramuscular stimulation. So basically, um, one of the first things we would do at my physical therapy appointments, I would lay down and my therapist would dry needle throughout my lateral hamstring, my quadriceps, my quadriceps tendons, and my patellar tendon. So I was having needles stuck in all down the back side of my leg, through that lateral hamstring, um, through the quadriceps, so on the top of my thigh, and then also the tendons that are right around my kneecap and the bottom part of my quad, and then my patellar tendon, which is right below your kneecap. Um, and there were a couple times where she would try to put the needle in and my muscles were so brick hard, I mean as hard as a brick, that it bent the needle and pushed it back out. So that's how tight all those tendons and all those muscles were. I was literally breaking needles um, to try to <laughs> get them uh, fixed up a little bit. So the whole idea with that is with the dry needling, she's, you know, taps the needle in and it's supposed to stimulate blood flow, stimulate healing, and um, in addition to the physical therapy and dry needling, I had to cease, you know, most activity again, and I was put on an, a very intensive stretching regimen, so I was stretching all the time, um, foam rolling, all those things that I, I knew I should be doing continuously, but I neglected to do because it's boring and it takes time and no one wants to sit there before and after their workout to do all this corrective exercise and prehab, rehab type stuff. So that was during 2016. Um, now the third time which i'm currently in my third bout of overtraining and this time i went as far as to adrenal fatigue and um, so this time around i recognized the warning signs but i still pushed through and just started adding more rest and stretching so i could keep going so i was basically like oh my knees are start this is starting to hurt this is really really tight okay like these are my warning signs for my own body that i know now after all my experience so i want to keep working out i'll just add in a little more stretching and maybe rest a little bit more um but it wasn't enough so you got to think of it as a balance. When you're working out and you tip the scale one way, you got to bring up your recovery. And your recovery can mean a plethora of things. It can be stretching and foam rolling and ice baths or Epsom salt baths. I mean, there's so many things. Yoga, and it's going to be different for everyone. But you really need to inquire within yourself and find what works best for your body and your activity and you need to do those things and you can't stop doing those things you have to always do it and the thing about sports related injuries is if you continue to be active after an injury more than likely whatever injury it was or condition you're predisposed to that now which means you have no choice but to be proactive in combating it because if you don't, it's eventually it's going to take you out again. And that's what happened to me, you know, two times. And the third time I was like, okay, um, 
here's my breaking breaking point. We'll just we'll just go into that. So um, after I eventually just pushed my body, you know, so far over, and I wasn't my my scales, my balance was totally tipped. I mean, I increased my stretching, but I continued my working out, and the t- scales tipped to where working out and pushing my body was way higher than what my recovery was. So I got to a point with the overtraining where my body just could not recover. I was too, doing too much, was not recovering. So at this point, I had trouble sleeping. I had intense muscle pain. My legs felt so heavy. I mean, thousand pound legs, like I ached so bad. My depression started, anxiety, I had trouble relaxing. I had an overwhelming displeasure in my workouts. I started dreading my workouts. I was getting headaches. I had a stagnant progress. So I was no longer able to progress and lift heavier or do more. Um, I just, I just couldn't. Um, I started overeating, was unable to regulate my own heart rate. There was an extreme level of fatigue all the time, 24-7 extreme fatigue. Um, I started trying to take melatonin to help me sleep, but not even that would work. Uh, I started to lose pleasure in all activities. Um, I had back pain, tight muscles, obviously. I often felt like I had a cold coming on. And so I would take airborne or vitamin C in abundance so I could just keep going. So I had all these things coming at me. And if you remember some of the signs of being in overtraining is you get colds easily. You have the, you know, trouble sleeping and pretty much everything I just listed. Um, But the trouble sleeping was huge for me because I was waking up, you know, every hour. I could not sleep, yet I was so tired all the time. And that was kind of a trend that I had throughout all of my overtraining experiences in the past few years was always trouble sleeping. Um, In fact, I've never slept through the night since before my daughter was born and she's 13. So um, for a long time, I kind of chalked up my bad sleeping to just it's because I've had kids and my bladder, you know, I have to go to the bathroom all the time during the night and that's just the way it is. And so I didn't really relate all the trouble sleeping towards my overtraining and adrenal fatigue until recently. So with my recovery, I came to my breaking point um, where I decided, you know what, I'm going to cease all activity. So for three and a half weeks, I didn't do anything. I did no workouts. Um, The only thing I did was walk every day. Uh, I started taking supplements. So I did a B complex, vitamin B complex, an adrenal support pill, um, COQ10, and ashwagandha. I started stretching more. I did gentle exercise, like I said, with the walking. I was doing mental checks, journaling, and following my symptoms, tracking how I felt, and the progression of healing. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts and inspirational videos. And the most important thing that I had during my recovery is grace and patience, because I know that everything is temporary, and this too shall pass. So the mental struggle of any type of recovery, whether it's from surgery or sports-related injury, overtraining syndrome, it is very challenging to not work out and missing the high that you get and the sweat and ultimately just that push, pushing your body to the, to the brink. Um, that's a drug to me. It's, it's a huge drug-like effect. And, um, it's a relieving feeling when you work out. It gives me such like an incredible um, 
sense of accomplishment and just feel so good. Like I said, it has a drug-like effect. So it was very, very challenging to not work out. Um, sometimes I say, not sometimes, but I, I do say, it's harder to not work out for me than it is to work out. Um, it's really hard to pull back the reins and um, kind of step away from it. Um, and another thing I had to do during the the really the brunt of the recovery time was to step away from social media or anything that could trigger fitness comparisons. So that's another thing that's really hard, especially with my job in the fitness industry as a personal trainer, as a group fitness instructor, um, as a fitness and health and wellness professional. Um, it's very, it's very hard to be put in a position or to put your body in a position where you cannot do hard workouts. You can't do what you used to be able to do because you're, you're injured and you're recovering. Um, and for me personally, I had to, I recognize that and I knew, okay, well, if, if this is hard for me, then what can I do to make it easier and not trigger like more feelings of depression or anything. And that was just a step away from social media and not see, um, you know, anything on there um, or look back at pictures or anything of me doing crazy stuff because obviously, you know, I can't do that right now. And, um, you know, that's where grace and patience really came in and just remembering that everything is temporary and this too shall pass. Uh, but that is it's a huge thing that I had to do was just kind of step away and like focus inward, um, you know, on my healing. So I want to talk about what I found during um, this recovery time, because never in my life, even when I was in physical therapy the last two or three times, um, I pretty much stopped all my activity, but I was still teaching or training clients. Um, which can be very physically intensive. So I never fully 100% ceased all activity as I did this most recent time. And the great thing about that is I was able to because of COVID. If it wasn't for COVID, um, my life would be very different right now. And I wouldn't have been able to just take all that time off from being physical. Uh, so here's what I found. After one week, of zero workouts. I slept through the night for the first time in over, what, 10, 12, 13 years? Crazy. So I've had consecutive nights sleeping a solid six hours straight. So I typically go to bed. Um, I can go to bed at 8.30 because I get up really early, but I try to push it to about 9.45 at night is when I go to bed and I would sleep solid um, till about almost four o'clock in the morning. So having a huge amount of uninterrupted sleep was paramount. Like I just, I can't even, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've regained by slowing down and treating my overtraining is the sleep because, and I've talked about this before in previous podcasts, it is so important to have good sleep because your sleep time is when your body repairs and heals itself. So if you're not getting good quality sleep, it is not a surprise that your body can't fully recover from your workouts you put it through. Um, and then you just get into this perpetual cycle of breaking down your muscle and not being able to rebuild it and breaking it down more and not being able to rebuild it. Um, so sleep 
was huge. When that came back to me, it's just amazing. Um, another thing I noticed, my appetite control started coming back. It was easier to stop eating and feeling full and nourished, not seeking excess calories for the lack of energy. So when I was in the heat of overtraining, um, it's your body's working overtime trying to, to repair and trying to catch up to everything that's going on. And even though I was eating enough, um, because there was so much stress running through my body and my brain couldn't regulate what was going on, you start having the cravings for more and more because you have the lack of energy because your body is so tired and fatigued still. Um, so I noticed when I pulled back, I was able to kind of get back to more of an intuitive eating and like uh, a better, I guess, natural, like, okay, I'm hungry. I can control this. I'm not like all over the board wanting, you know, sweets or more because I'm tired and needing more caffeine and reaching for all these things um, because I wasn't being nourished fully and recovered fully from the inside out. Um, I noticed as well I had more energy throughout the day as time went on, taking a break from working out, I got more energy. Uh, I had more mental real estate available for life. So in the heat of overtraining, there is so much stress, cortisol running through your body that um, it's you're irritable. It's uh, you know you just get triggered so much quicker because you just really don't have the mental real estate available. And when I really pulled back, I realized that all this space opened up. You know, over the weeks, and I had just more, more, um, I guess, calm and peace at approaching life. It wasn't like a ticking time bomb. Um, let's see. I also started to have enjoyment coming back to like normal things like dancing while I'm cooking dinner, um, turning on, you know, music while I cook. That's one of the things I love to do, but in the heat of the overtraining, when the depression comes in, it, depression really clouds and puts a storm over things that you normally would enjoy and they're just not fun anymore. So after a couple weeks, I started to get this enjoyment back and I was cooking with music and I was dancing and just, I felt like lighter in life. And I started to feel less dread towards work and chores throughout the day. And I felt a sense of my inspiration coming back. Um, and then after a full two weeks, I had a decrease in cravings for sweets and um, stuff like that. So that is awesome. So after, three and a half weeks, I did my first workout and I thought I would be extremely weak, but surprisingly I wasn't. It was harder to hold myself back during the workout and ease into it in a periodized and progressive load um, than to just like go hard. Uh, I was really surprised that I had uh, most of my strength still and endurance after that time and I think what helped that is I was still going for walks every day I didn't just completely go sedentary um, and I was stretching and doing yoga um, but the important thing to remember when you're in overtraining and you go through your recovery is when you do start working out again it's very important not to go straight into the heaviest and hardest you were doing before because your body needs to ease back into it and progressively add, you know, 10 to 20% more on each week so that you don't hurt yourself and don't, you know, set yourself back and regress. Um, 
Another thing that I noticed too, which I would encourage you is if you are in overtraining and you know, you just, you're at that point where you don't even, you don't feel like working out, like everything sucks and everything hurts and you know, you're, um, you know where you are within your overtraining. Uh, I knew it was time to start working out again because I got that enjoyment back. And when I thought about working out, I got excited and my body was starting to feel good. Um, my legs took longer to get to that point um, because for me personally, most of my overtraining um, centers in my legs. And that's because I do a lot of spin class um, and I have for you know years and years, I think eight years now since I've been teaching spin class. So that's one of my um, kryptonite, I guess, as much as I love it. It also does the most damage to my particular injuries that I'm prone to. So um, with that said, I know that I have to incorporate more ways to proactively fight against, fight against it. So um, that's how I knew. Things started to feel exciting again. I was sleeping through the night. I was feeling like I just had more energy, more mental real estate for life. Um, and thinking about working out actually brought me excitement versus dread and more pain. So that's a little bit just about my overtraining experience um, over the last few years. And gosh, if physical therapy. So I've been to physical therapy, I've been to four different physical therapists. Um, I have done all types of treatments. Um, I've been on different medications. I was on meloxicam for arthritis, um, osteoarthritis, and I've gotten different types of creams, um, prescription creams for my knees and muscles. Um, that's basically like ibuprofen in a cream and um, which now Voltaren gel, which is what I was prescribed, works amazing and it's now available over the counter, which is great. You don't need a prescription anymore for that. Um, but I will say that with the yoga and just really taking care of myself and slowing down and incorporating... Um, different stretches and things that I know will help my particular injuries that I'm prone to. I found after, I think it was my third or fourth x-ray that I got, um, there was no more arthritis in my legs. And this happened after the second, um, I think the second round of overtraining when I had to go in for more x-rays and MRIs they found that they there was no more arthritis in there so somehow down through the rabbit hole of things I had to do with physical therapy and changing nutrition I reversed the osteoarthritis that had started in my knees which is great because they thought before that I would have to get a surgery where they go in and this is for the um, behind the patella behind your kneecap where you can get rough spots from the um, friction they go in and they scrape off the bottom of your the underside of your patella so that you don't have that friction and scraping anymore and I was a candidate for it and then now I don't have to get it so um, that was a few years ago and that was 
you know, I would have done it if it was going to help me, but I think that if you can fix things without surgical means, I think that's the better way to go because any surgery is going to have side effects and, you know, possible negative outcomes and a lot of those side effects can be, you know, lasting problems that you have in your life. So I'm really glad that I was able to, and I don't know how it happened, um, but I didn't have to have the surgery. And my knees, for the most part, feel good um, right now. There are times where I can feel it's, you know, it's tweaked or I did too much or whatever. And that's just the time where you really just need to listen to your body. And I'm I get it. It's hard to do. But if anyone out there that's listening and you think that you might be in overtraining or just overreaching, which is the the little area you have before you go into overtraining, um, just take a minute, get quiet, inquire within and see, you know, what your body needs because the answers are all there and a lot of times we just ignore them we ignore the red flags and the warning signs and then you know we end up in a physical therapist's office and there's so much more work to do that way so much more money to be spent rather than just slowing down and incorporating more stretching so um, my advice for you guys out there listening is keep a journal like keep record of of your workouts, your training, your recovery, um, and make sure that your recovery is at least equal to your training. So, um, if not more, I think recovery should be higher up than our training. Um, I think the scales should tip um, the opposite direction and higher um, in the recovery zone. So that just means, you know, yoga, sleep, uh, your nutrition, stretching, foam rolling, ice baths, Epsom salt baths. I mean, there's so many different things, you know, massage, stuff like that, that you can do. And honestly, even sedentary people need recovery. They need stretching. People that sit in front of a computer all day, you know, their neck and their back, their hips, their and hamstrings, all this stuff, you know, all the way down the kinetic chain is going to have dysfunction. So, and that's just from sitting. So you can imagine if you're working out, um, even if you're working out with good form and you're strong enough to do it or whatever, you're still going to need recovery. You're still going to need stretching and proactive things because eventually, like I said, down the line, you could hit overtraining, you could get injured. There's tons of things that can happen and it's just not worth it. So that's all I got to say about overtraining. I hope um, you guys got something good out of that, some little nuggets of info. And um, yeah, so you guys have a great day. Stay moving and stay stretching and we'll see you guys next time.